NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on the Diamond Tina Podcast Network. What a bumper! final show of the Australian Summer we've got coming into your ears right at this very moment. We're going to review the Australian Summer. Of course, the Big Bash final has just been completed last night. We need to dissect every single moment of that fixture. Was it the greatest choke of all time? Who's to say? Well, let's find out. Then also, I mean, like South Africa and Sri Lanka. Oh, my God. That's probably one of the greatest victories of Sri Lanka ever. And also... How the fuck did it happen? We're going to dissect uh, the West Indies and England over there. Uh, England finally won a game over there, but also that wasn't a big takeaway from that match, from that series indeed, before we look ahead towards what's next for the Australian cricket team. Dan Bredig is on the show. Bob Quiney is on the show. And BBL winner Cameron White is on the show. And I believe he has not been to bed yet, so let's see what happens if he even answers his phone. Mm, Ian Higgins here with Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. Boys, did you enjoy the Big Bash final last night? I like that you say that we're going to dissect all these games because I have no intention of dissection (laughs) of any of these games, but I will, you know, impart some knowledge, I guess, and and insight, but I'll probably defer to you guys on the actual gameplay situation. Don't give away the structure, yeah. Mm. Don't give away the roles that we play individually Mm. Mm. because that's just, you know, fourth wall shit. But Mm. um, anyway... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Whatever happens. Okay. I'm just uh, glad to be here. Yeah. It's the end yeah. of the summer. It's yeah. been a long, fucking long summer. Yeah. Do you mean glad to be here as in like there was a chance you may not have been? Well, there's yeah. always a chance I might mm. not make it. Selections I mean, every I wake week. wake up every morning just happy to be alive. Mm. Thank God for every breath I take. That's mm. <laughs> a, a song, isn't it? You know the song we sang last yeah. week? Alive by P.O.D. Yeah, mm. that's right. Um, Sam Perry, as the journalist of the group. Um, had, did you enjoy the match last night? The cricket match that was played? Yeah, I did. I, it, it's probably the most dramatic week in the cricket summer and none of it involves the Australian cricket team. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, thanks. Um, that. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I think it's the it's the biggest choke I've ever seen. Let's just go through the numbers. Caddy Clark was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> There's the structure. There's the structure. Fucking big choke, that one. Yeah. Point. Was this a bigger yeah. choke than Cadditch Clark? I think yeah. that's the question. Are you yeah. going to write fan fiction about this one as well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And then present it to Simon yeah. Cadditch. Yeah. Erotic fan fiction. Yeah. 
Um, 53 to win off 43 balls, 10 wickets in hand, yeah. lose seven for 19. Yeah. Uh, like, it, have I mentioned this before? Like, it, we used to play in this under-21s comp where we'd be chasing 250 mm-hmm. uh, as it went into the afternoon and the openers would start well with a yeah. new ball and stuff. And mm-hmm. you, But you knew you were going to lose. Mm-hmm. Everyone would get out because they'd get scared. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, I'm going to panic because I need to sort of score it more than a run a ball. And you'd be like, oh, that's why you bat first. Like, that, that's like yeah. 90s cricket shit. You just, like, get the runs on the board because humans freak out and panic. Yeah, it's like so many games we played where you just thought someone else would get the runs. Yeah, you know? and you hoped desperately. Mm. And then no one just got the runs and yeah. everyone started getting out. Because when you bat first, you're like, there's no um, prerequisite pressure on me. Like, I can create the mm. narrative of this yes. game. But somewhere about 10 years ago, that switched in T20 cricket where batsmen ended up going, like, oh, no, oh, batters, sorry, ended up going, like, oh, no, no, like, it's better to chase because you then know what you've got to do. Except this was just mm. like, this was harking back to, like, 90s cricket, when Stoinis got out, or I should use the local lingo, when Stoinis went out. Mm. Mm. Doesn't make any Why sense. Why the fuck do they say that? Don't know. Uh, Melbourne thing. It was still a fate accompli, like to the point where Abby Gelmi on Channel 7 interviewed Stoinis and was comfortable enough to say, like, do you feel like it's in the bag? And Stoinis, you know, wisely said, yes. no, not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But when it gets to about a runner ball, yeah, I will feel it. And like, I... Mm. I Texted a mate saying, well, it's a fizzer. A, mate's out, a mate was out there. I was like, well, this is a fizzer. And then it just went to like Balmain under 21 Port of Grey levels. Yeah. It was just everybody got out. Everybody took the gas. People were just knocking balls up in the air. Uh, why did this happen? People yeah. are suggesting match fixing. I'm not. I'm just saying what people are, are suggesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but these people are doing it jokingly and I'm not uh, pushing yeah. those allegations. Mm. Well, like, but I mean, Jesus people, people are placing – people are – People are placing the blame on Pete Hanscom, who came in. Was it his first or second well, Someone ball? has to be to blame. Someone yeah. has to be to blame. It's not the 11 contributors to the team. It's one person. One person wants to take all the blame. And so Pete yeah. Hanscom may never play cricket for the Stars Any again. Any kind of cricket. Any kind of cricket. Again, he, we'd be lucky to get a club game this mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. So he ran down the wicket and he's thought, and probably like eight times out of ten, he hits that for six and then the Stars win in the next like 15 yep. minutes. But he chipped one to, was it mid-off, it ends up going, so it spliced well, it. Well, like, right. yeah, off the splice. It was mm-hmm. one of those ones where like uh, the captain, like Finch gambled and brought everybody up and forced him to go over the top if he wanted runs. And I think Hanscom was probably mm-hmm. entitled to think like, I'm, if I get this over the top, we're, we're good here. And then he yep. got out. So even with that, the, the Stars were still well ahead. Of course. And like if, if they were presented a scenario where they were two down needing like 53 or 40, mm. uh, that would be like, that's, that's fine. Was... But it was the other guys, I think, afterwards. Like I think well, Dunk's dismissal was bad and I yeah. think Maxwell's dismissal was bad. Mm. Ponting suggested that like um, the decision to bring in Nick Maddinson, who was woefully out of form and pretty much has been all tournament, yeah. um, to partner Maxwell at that time was a really bad decision because then it forced Maxwell to try and hit boundaries. I am kind of think that's a bit um, harsh on Maddinson and a bit easy on Glenn Maxwell. I just think like... They probably like each player just thought, oh no, I can just beef a few and we'll win. And each right. player got it wrong. I thought that like it wasn't so much what happened when Hanscom got out. Sorry, it, it wasn't Hanscom getting out. It was like what happened in like the fifteen balls after that. Well, like they just didn't score a run, and then all of a sudden it went from going like six and a half and over to it almost going to like back to ten. But then then Maxwell should have been out on zero. Cameron White caught it, then dropped it yeah. off Boyce. Um, but yeah, then- so it's not even like it was. It rode on little like on, on little inches, like the stars were ahead by so much mm. and then like lost by so much yeah. in this incredibly quick space of time. Yeah, yeah. What, was, so what was the equation when it was at its most gettable? 53 50 of 43 yeah. right. with 10 wickets in hand. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 
And Most times, still more than a runner. Like my nineties yeah. mindset <laughs> sees that still as challenging, being more than a runner ball. But in the yeah. modern T Twenty game, that's fucking cakewalk. Well, like yeah. you look how Donny played in the ODIs here, or how he generally does. He mm. gets it to about fifteen and over, and he goes like, "I'll hit a six now." Mm. And then, yeah. <laughs> but we don't have no one and in the Australian cricket. We have Nick Maddinson. Do you think? That but even in Australian cricket, that would still be like we've been conditioned now to understand that like fifty three or forty threes really doable like at all professional levels it yeah. just it just took this like yeah. time warp back mm. to 1995 where yeah. that scenario was still a little bit yes. touch and go and they absolutely folded as it, it, it's as big a fold as I've ever seen in cricket well we often talk about how um well Pez we, we've spoken in the past about how like batsmen are either sort of four or zero and that was like the kind of that bit when from Hanscom getting out where like there was no singles even mm. going on they couldn't even turn the strike yeah, over so it was big like round as well like just knock a few rounds just knock it around but like you, you saw how guys getting out like including Bravo who got a knee-high full toss and somehow got caught at point yeah. trying to hit it to square leg that's one of the most weirdest dismissals for an international cricketer renegades just wanted it more <laughs> <laughs> well you know you always have to ask that don't we you? have to ask yeah. it yeah. I mean let's forget the game yeah. Let's, yes. let's talk about how much people want games of cricket. Yeah. I mean, you've got guys like Dan Christian and yeah. Cameron White who's mm. coming on half mm. cut later mm. on the episode. Mm. Do they just want it more? I mean, these are old guys. You know, they're thinking about their legacy mm. rings. I mean, the NBA, all mm. you want towards the end of your career is to accumulate rings mm. and championships. Yep. Do you think these guys just wanted it more? Well, Dan Christian's a winner. He's won like everywhere around the world. He won the Caribbean Premier League. He's won, he's won in England. He's won the Big Bash. Now, there's, what, what's, what's the MSL? I saw he's won in the MSL. The fuck's yeah. that? So, Dan Christian's a winner. Who, who's the opposite of like a Dan Christian? Who's someone who's a fucking loser who like everywhere he plays? <laughs> I'm definitely not going to say any names. Who's someone that's a fucking loser? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a one, it's a great question. It's yeah. an incisive question. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to ask, but uh, I, I can't but think you're of scared. one. Kevin yeah. Peterson. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Do you reckon, like, you know how when there's, when there's, uh, you know, like a wicket's, like, in that period where the Renegades just started to, like, get a couple of wickets and, like, the the equation was getting bigger and bigger, like, if you're on the fielding side, that gives you the opportunity just to make a noise which just implies that there is pressure. Pressure. Like, if there's a dot, then you go, like, oh, (laughs) or, like, oh, it's like weird, like, literally, like, ghostly sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from cover. Yeah. yeah, and they don't. You don't say anything, but like everyone knows it's like, oh, I need to score runs now because he's making the kind of like this ghostly yeah. ethereal <laughs> like noise. One of those sideshow corridors that are all darkly lit, and you walk through them as a kid, and people are just making scary ghost noises <laughs> at you. It's exactly like that. Well, the only thing missing, like I mean, it was like a um, an absolute classical collapse where like it didn't even matter about the the quality of the player coming in next. The collapse was on. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm. That's why Bravo got out the way he did. Like this mm. seasoned overseas yep. T20 pro got yep. like a waist high full toss. He's like, well, I'm hitting that straight in the air. This is Christmas <laughs> and I need to get they out. They felt like, that to this give was someone just else inevitable. Like, yeah. oh my yeah. God, this no, is happening. There's like, nothing the, I can do to prevent this from happening. This is the collapse force that happens. Yeah. No, there's nothing you can do. It's like a, it's like a godlike wave, yes. you know, coming over you. Yes. But the only thing missing was a run out. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like Zampa nearly got one where he literally his bat jammed into the ground and then he had to like, yeah. He's bad over the line, which yeah. would have been the absolute perfect end to yeah. the like worst collapse right. ever seen in anatomy cricket. of a collapse. The anatomy of a collapse once again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, is there is there any sort of takeaway? I I, I asked um I asked uh, uh, the Renegades if they would put up Aaron Finch for an interview, and they said Aaron Finch is on a flight to India at six a.m. So oh we 
Christ. So that just never ends the cricket, Aaron does it? Finch These was poor bastards, man. Steaming yeah. yesterday. These poor bastards. Yeah. He was Aaron Finch was in like the worst mood I've ever seen him yesterday. Like after he got out and he's just had an absolute He's like, like fuck, I've got to get up at three AM. It's an international well, flight. Right. I've got to get there at least four, two hours yeah. early. Yeah. Did he want to win? Because he's like no more smashing beer, surely. But he's like, No, I've I will finish this game and be in bed for the next fifteen minutes. Well yes. he's thirteen off ten batting first. He's at the non strikers end. He's not hitting the ball very well and has an all summer, then he gets run out. Mm. Uh, like backing up at the non-strikers end. I don't know if you saw the footage. He absolutely walloped a chair mm. with his bat. It was yep. caught on camera. And the best part about it was like when they slow motion replayed it, there was about 10 people in the foreground who mm. were looking at the ground. Mm. And then you just see the way like mm. they simultaneously <laughs> like furrow their brow, then turn mm. <laughs> to, to, uh, mm. to look at him. And then uh, even out in the field, he was just pegging the ball at yeah. the keeper into mm. the ground, half volleying to the mm. keeper. Mm. Uh, it's been a long summer. He doesn't want to go to India. Summer. He doesn't want to go. He's not ready to go to It India. was the look of someone who's like, this is the last round of grade cricket. I'm so fucking sick of this <laughs> I'm game. I'm fucking quitting. And I'm just going to peg the ball <laughs> yeah. at everybody. I'm indignant about my poor form all year <laughs> and it's everyone else's fault. There was, there was anger everywhere, Pez, around the group, around that game. I mean, you saw like Cameron White's reaction. Oh, we, by the way, we were just speaking as if Cameron White's definitely coming on. I have been told that he said when we asked him to well, go he's on. he's been out all night, like, that he's got no way he's got phone battery. <laughs> exactly. iPhones these days don't last so more than 24 if he, hours. if he just doesn't appear in this episode, that's what's happened. Um, he's had too good a time. Mm. I presume you've just got a text message saying he's not coming on. No, no, no. That's just, that was from a real estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> why, why was there so much like okay. aggression and anxiety in this? Because it was a Melbourne versus Melbourne. Like we're in the Melbourne sporting capital of the world. Mm. CA oh, was yeah. would have been elated to mm. have this as the as the final. Just an absolute Melbourne froth fest. Mm. You know, Eddie Maguire, all that kind of shit Jason that they love. Still as the yeah, the just AFL members. identities. You know, mm. every opportunity a camera had to pan to one. There was one. Mm. Was that what this was? It's a Melbourne froth fest. Mm. Would, would CA be happy with this? I think I think so. Like I mean, Channel Seven was. Uh, we're literally sitting in Channel 7's um, headquarters right Just now. Just when we walked in, they said we were really happy with that. Yeah, exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. Kerry yeah, Stokes yeah, mm. AFL final. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there were multiple multiple references to Melbourne as the sporting capital of the world. Uh, like I, I feel like Melbourneians are the only people who say that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't like, and I don't think anyone else cares. Like, it, it's an intangible like concept, a yeah. sporting capital of the world. Like, there's, MCG, well, there's, no, there's no actual capital. Hundred thousand people in to watch two fucking <laughs> Melbourne capital. inner north <laughs> suburbs playing against each other in yeah. a game of like provincial football. Yeah, is there any other yeah, region in, in the world who like? Tries to discuss which is the best, most livable city, <laughs> sporting capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but even livable city is like. It kind of has tangibility because you can have metrics like, Coffee. you know, like transport and um, services and cost of living and stuff mm, like that. Like right. sporting capital of the world is like, okay, it's like it's like that partridge gift. You just like uh, fucking trucking your shot. Okay, like what? What is this? <laughs> I just love how we're talking gifts now. Yeah, yeah. Homer to the hedges. Homer in the hedges. Yeah. Brain lighting up meme. Yeah. Well. <laughs> it has been uh, it has been a long summer. The the Big Bash is finally over after 130 of its cricket matches that were played or whatever it was this year. Um, there were six Test matches. There were some ODIs. We played some T20s. Yeah, right. uh, if we can half our minds back to when this podcast series started, you know, all began, and that's how we that's how we deal now in podcast seasons. Yeah. But like we we had come off the back of a, a two nil series yeah. loss in uh, in the UAE, um, the heroics of Usman Karaja in uh, in Dubai. Um, have long been forgotten, I would say. But that's where we started the summer. And then we came into the summer 
and the India series with builders, well, this could be an absolute bump. It could be a great series. Virat Kohli's coming out. He's the greatest player in the world at the moment, possibly the best since Bradman. You know, um, there was publicity about how scared the Indian batsmen were going to be, and uh, and that proved to be, you know, prophetic. Um, what have you guys taken away in the six test matches? Oh, should we just go through India series first? I mean, to review the summer as it was. Well, just to set the context for the summer, I mean, it was an important year or summer for Australian cricket with, mm-hmm. you know, we were Smith and Warnerless. Yes. Um, you know, two new broadcasters, mm-hmm. the spectre of the cultural review, mm-hmm. new CEO, all this fucking off-field shit mm. framing the summer ahead. And then that's just the off-field stuff. Yeah. So I guess now we're going to talk about what happened on field, but it's important to remember that context. This was change as yeah. we'd never seen it before and yeah. we all fear change yeah. as a rule. Mm. And, rem- and it remains so. It's a great point, Pez. Let me, let me put it to you on the back of Edo's comments there. Just like Tim Payne said at the end of the, the Sri Lankan series that like Australia had to you know, win back the trust of the public, the, the, the cricket team had to win back the trust of the public. You know, did they do that? Did, they do, like, did we lose honourably against India? Did the team perform in the right way? Mm. I Morally? Think- yeah, I, th- I think they did if you're t- looking at that like um, that cultural lens and where the Australian cricket team finished last summer and where they finished this summer. Uh, like, don't get me wrong, we've all found 25 other new things to complain about and yep. be upset about with the Aussie cricket team, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think that particular element was improved upon. It doesn't mean that there weren't little... Um, examples here and there when Australia started getting their nose in front of, you know, and a very weakened mm-hmm. Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. You didn't start seeing that old bully Revert boy come back. Yeah, like I, I still think we've got that in us and I'm not completely convinced that like even the guys at the top, like the highest echelon, believe <laughs> that we have to be anything other than bullies when, yeah. we, when we win, that, that, mm. that those two things are conditional upon each other. But um, I think they improved that bit. I mean, I was like quite optimistic heading into the summer and all the change that was possible because like we get bored of the old Aussie way of playing cricket Mm. but I I do remember like I sat down with a senior official of the Australian like cricketing apparatus before the summer started and uh no I I said no just the way that you said that yeah I said like what's the (laughs) what stories are you guys trying to tell this year like what's the story you know and he's like he just looked at me and he just goes who are you mate he just goes firstly yeah get out where's your accreditation (laughs) um but then secondly he said he said we just want to get through it (laughs) you know and like I, I was a bit taken really? aback by the kind of um, defeatism of that. But now that I'm looking at the summer, um, now that it's done, Did I think he was survival. probably right. <laughs> like, it, it was very much like, let's just get through and forget about it. And, I, I, like, it is remarkable how much, like, Smith and Warner are just, like, the fulcrum and nucleus of our mm. whole sense of mm. Australian cricket going well. Well, yeah, okay. Well, it might be a good chance to sort of roll into, like, what's next for the Australian cricket team. Obviously, there's so much cricket. I don't know if we spoke about this last week, but if you look at the calendar, the, the itinerary of the Australian cricket, it's just... I just add something fucking, very, very, like, just to highlight my own cynicism there. Like, uh, I don't mean it to be the parenthesis at the end, but, like, uh, Australia's, like, women cricketers fucking hammered everybody. And, you know, that really should be, like, the big story of the summer. But realistically, mm. as a public, we're, like... There's heaps of good shit happening in that arena. We're not quite there yet. Like, there's still the the mm. visceral f- feeling about Australian cricket is that like, you know, that th- the men still kind of sucked, uh, and we have to like win some shit away a to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Win some shit. yeah. So, um, Edo's put it back to you. Like, it, the Ashes is obviously in the forefront of the mind. The World Cup before then, but the Ashes is our next Test series that we play. Um, if England don't win this home series after Australia have just come through. The the worst, literally, I would say the worst year in Australian cricketing history. Would that be, would that be fair? There's been a review into the fucking sport 
change of coach, mm. lost two best players for a year, lost another opening batsman yep. all for cheating. Um, the tumult that has been caused from this, this is all in the background mm. of us. Lost like, to India for the first time at home. <clears throat> so mm. More cricket than ever before, though. Uh, that's... Mm. That's true. And new graphics. In 4K. <laughs> graphics, 4K. There's a camera that goes, you know, circles around, spider cam or some shit. Time. Yeah, we get oh, WinViz. How good. So that's good how percentages. Good. Um, I am optimistic because I don't think England are that good. I don't think England are as good as like what we are. As, as, sorry, as, as, what, we, as what we think. Uh, by the way, Pat Cummins got announced this morning as the number one test bowl in the world, just right. as an aside. So we've, we've got the best test bowl in the world, yep. is what I'm saying. How, like, how is Jasper Boomer not better than Pat Cummins, by the way? It's a great point. It's a great With point. respect to Cummins. Well, he, didn't Cummins even play in, he didn't even play in UAE, Cummins. And then, like, yeah. Boomer came and, like, bossed Australia away yeah. from mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Uh, and, and Cummins has dominated Sri Lanka, as he should. Yeah, pick He's your tests. Yeah, pick your tests. Yeah, he is a good-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any hope. Any hope for Australia. It's just so far away, isn't it? It's, what, yeah. six or seven months away yeah. before the next test match. Yeah. So we have a lot of time to think and ponder. Mm. Um, and then there's a World Cup between then. Mm-hmm. Um I guess we should just take the next few months to think. Mm. I mean, we've obviously got to go to India and play some one-day-os or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there is a lot of time between now and the next test. And I guess getting towards the end of that season, you know, CA obviously happy to get there, the home summer, um, just to get through it. And I think we were as well as a a cricket team and as a cricket nation. Mm. And the way that we flogged Sri Lanka at the end there, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's indicative of what we really are or Mm. the health of Australian cricket. I think it was a misnomer. I think that Monica Oval yielded fake runs. I don't think those were real runs. Fake. So we will probably be found out, I mm. think, um, in England. Mm. I mean, as we historically usually are, mm. but especially now. Um, and that's regardless of whether Smith and Warner comes inside for mine. Pez, we've got, um, as it is, rightly alludes to, t- T20s and matches in India, some ODI games. Do these mean anything? Like we play against the best team in the world, well, equal best team in the world in one day is on their home turf. The mm. wickets aren't going to be anything like they are in the World Cup. Do these, do these like what do we take away from uh, the upcoming series? I think, um, yeah. Always got to take something away. Got to take something away. I think normally when we play India in India in like random one-day fixtures, mm. it feels like the most meaningless cricket of all time that yep. is eminently forgettable. Wanky I do think there's a little bit more. You, you can put a little bit more context behind this because the World Cup is okay. coming next. What do you say? Wanky stadium. How do you say that word? Was it a wankied stadium? <laughs> <laughs> it's a stadium in India, isn't it? Yeah. How do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to say it. Okay. Sorry. I've never said it. I just saw it in the paper today. I wanted to say it. Is it ratchy? Sorry, I've got autism. It's okay. <laughs> Um, there's help for that But um, Yeah I think there's some context Because the World Cup Is coming up next I don't think it's the worst thing To play five matches Against you know One of the best sides ever And I also think like Similarly The ODI cricket Will be used As Australian cricket does To like Propel Narratives of players They want to get Into the test side So like you know, like I'm trying to work on this formula. It's so where cynical like, today. We're trying mm. to work on this formula. We we're talking about it last week. Like certain mm. cricketers have the pheromones. Yeah, you know yeah. that wipe uh, on pheromones. Yeah, that mm. like Langer likes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where you only have to do a couple of good things, and you're yeah. in mm. like uh, Bancroft. Yeah. Stoinis is he's just got pheromones all over him. I yeah, mean, like yeah. if he doesn't start Reeks. at the Ashes. I mean, just the way they were getting around Stoinis on the coverage yesterday. Like mm-hmm. James Brayshaw must have referred to him as the big oil rig about 25 times. <laughs> right. Fuck me. Got, he's so jocular. Mm. James Brayshaw. Yes, it's fucking grim. It's fucking grim. Too old to be jock. Yes. Anyway, um, 
but he's so firmly ensconced in the Melbourne AFL circle. But it's just like, dude, you, yeah, I know. And that's you. how these blokes speak. Even fucking Eddie Maguire talks like that. They're all about big rigs and getting around blokes. <laughs> It's like you got grim. the lingo, like you got the dressing mate, we room know lingo. That you went to like we get a it. Private Melbourne school. Yeah, yeah it's just a talk. big oil rig. Uh, anyway, he's an oil rig. He's not he's sure got, oil rig. Soinus has got the pheromones. <laughs> Cameron Bancroft's got the pheromones. Um, yeah. I heard the other day that like it, he was starting to be discussed as as, as a as a possible outsider for the World Cup, Bancroft. So I guess my point was... The World Cup. So they're just positioning yeah. that? Because, so- he, because he had a decent back half of a T20 camp, Bancroft. Anyway, I'm just saying there are certain guys with the pheromones. So those um, with the pheromones mm. in the ODIs against India like, mm. have a chance to kind of bolster their chances for the World Cup and the Ashes. Those without the pheromones, right. like Maxwell, will have to do triple to keep their spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so- I don't know why he doesn't have pheromones. Oh, net- nor do I, yeah. I, I, I don't either. Well, he's a pirate. He's looking for a chest. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you were alluding to last week, Pez, that, that you thought that Bancroft might open the batting in the Ashes. I mean, there's, there's four Shield games starting now because yeah. cricket never ends. I don't, I don't personally think that he should be in, like, the top four no, candidates. No, but you, you were but hearing I, I that. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, um, you know, green shoots from him resulted in uh, him being given every chance to impress mm-hmm before the first test because the reality is that like there is no hard and fast candidate to partner Warner and there's a lot of cricket between now and uh, the Ashes. Mm. I just have a feeling that if Bancroft peels off a few tonnes, mm. he'll be in the conversation and it might end up just being like Burns versus Harris versus Bancroft on the Oz A tour and whoever makes the most runs plays. This might be harsh but do you reckon that would be the lowest IQ opening batting <laughs> partnership in Australian cricket history? I have to think about that. Yeah. Uh, Take your time. If we were more prepared, we could have thought about. I was also, I was also thinking as well, like, um, what's a merit eleven that would start in the Ashes? Like Wade would be in there, for instance. Right. A merit eleven, like a merit. Yeah, just Meriton. Like, yeah, Meriton. It's Nathan an apartment. They, they, they sponsor the. It's an yeah. apartment uh, complex which sponsors the team. So, yeah, Meriton. But they, but they, like, I think they went bust. Like who's mm. like the like the, the guys who have done the best in Shield or mm. international cricket should play. But like, is what like what I'm asking is essentially is Wade going? Are you taking Wade to the Ashes? Wade has zero pheromones. No pheromones. And uh, is he going to go to the World Cup or the Ashes? I don't think he'll go to the World Cup. I yeah. mean, you heard like Darren Lehman and Mark Waugh talking about him on Fox the other day. Mm. It was just rolling out the old mm. um, tropes about him like failing yeah. in his first twenty tests yeah, and yeah. But, being thirty two and not being a wicket keeper. Yeah, yeah. But those guys aren't selectors but anymore. Blokes. But like it is it is a thing of like that is that was the thinking that that's they're how not they selectors, thought. but they like they're in the um the apparatus. Those guys, I'm sure those guys call and text and they yeah. chat in the in the and corridors think, and, and mm. they reflect each other's thinking a fair bit. If mm. you don't have pheromones, you can use your chat. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of people who aren't sexually attractive, you know, they, they fall back on being able to have conversation and mm. chat. Mm. So maybe but they... Wade's already done that. He got in on chat first yeah. time alone. So now his chat's been debunked and yeah. he doesn't have pheromones. So yeah. he should just quit playing cricket. Yeah. Mm. So all, he's ha- all he has now is bulk runs to speak with. Merit. Which he, which and Apartments. With Merit and Apartments. And... Um, he has produced those bulk runs, but evidently it's still not enough to get him a pheromone or two. Yeah, okay. Hmm. I okay. think I think Wade is in the top six informed batsmen in Australia yeah. who, who could feasibly score runs in England. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, it's satisfying for those who did score uh, all those runs and take all those wickets against Sri Lanka because they are uh, the best international cricket team um, going around at the moment. Um, you know, they had probably the greatest test victory of uh, th- their international playing history, Sri Lanka. Right, okay. It could be one of the greatest test wins of all time. It's yeah. probably in the top 10. Yeah. 
It's mm. one of uh, Kusal Pereira's 153, not one of the greatest innings of all time. They chased down over 300 yep. in the fourth innings. They were they were five for 110. They were nine for 220 something, mm. and Pereira's just gone mental and he's just bombing. The bowling attack of Rabada Stain, uh, Philander opened the bowling, but yep. he went off with a hamstring injury. They had. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, this is the same beleaguered yes. Sri Lankan team that left our shores not not two weeks ago. Mm. And the guy that hit the Pereira, mm. momentarily forgot his name, mm. who hit that one fifty, he was the guy that got sconed. Yeah. Um in the in the Monica test. Yeah. Mm. So he's just come in an ab- absolute one eighty to it. Mate, he was like hooking Stain and, and Rabada just like off length. Yeah. And like there was like a very short let's let's caveat their greatest ever uh, you know run chase by saying there was a bit of a s- small boundary one side square of the wicket so you know it's probably <laughs> are you talking directly out of the side of your like, mouth once again yeah. and they only chased it's down like, about one twenty like doing that whistle with two fingers in your mouth I don't know how to do it but somebody yeah. can just get the fucking word that is a good skill mouth. isn't it I yeah. really wanted to do that your Michael, mouth is completely vertical Michael yeah. Clark, Michael Clark could do that really well that's why he was that's captain how you, for so that's long how yeah. be a really good captain in cricket yeah. to do that whistle hundred percent you can get your mouth to angle up to your eyes when you speak out the side of your mouth yeah anyway. My point being that Schlenker only chased down 80 because one wicket was <laughs> one boundary was square that was short square that we one side. Yeah. Um, Pez, how, how did this happen? What what the fuck? How did this happen? Uh, nobody knows how it happened, but I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's very um, fucking UFO. very fair to say yeah. that it's it's comfortably the innings of the year uh, in yes. Test cricket, uh, yes. possibly the decade. If you compare where Sri Lanka have come from, they've been absolutely hammered by all and sundry yeah. leading into this test. This is a yeah. South Africa side with uh, one of the best bowling attacks in yeah. the world yeah. at home, yeah. um, arguably the, yeah. and uh, they were coasting towards victory and out of nowhere, Kuzel Pereira has played just an extraordinary knock. And if you watch the footage of it, he uh, like it, th- there's nothing kind of like out of the ordinary that happens to do it. He just on a fourth innings wicket um, manages to just biff Rabada and Stain everywhere. Uh, so, like, all power to them. One of the great test wins of all time. I'd, I'd say, like, even though they won the game, the fact that they were... I mean, they it was a low-scoring game. So even if they got bowled out for, say, 200 in that fourth innings or 220, I mean, it was still a close game. I think they right. did even that well to compete against South Africa at home. But fucking hell, that's... Un- what a... It's just unbelievable. So, I mean, let's, let's also go across to uh, England over there in the West Indies, uh, Joe Root's side. Right. I didn't watch any of this, by the way, because my internet's been down for 11 days due to a network error. Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise you would have watched it. I would have watched it. I would have glued to my television. It's a ball by ball. Yeah. Last week I revealed that current Australian test cricketers didn't, didn't even watch it, but you're across every yeah. ball. You're yeah. across every the ball, ball, ball. I've got to be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Joe Root's team took out the third test there, right. so 2-1 series win to the West Indies. Not the most uh, fascinating thing to happen there because Shannon Gabriel said to Joe Root, do you like boys? To which Joe Root replied, don't use that as an insult, it's okay to be gay. Um, that's uh, that, was, that was taken right across the globe. Weird insult, got to say, from Shannon Gabriel. Do mm. you like boys? In terms of like as homophobia comments go, I mean, we don't need to like rank homophobia comments, but like it's a, it's a weird thing to say on a field. Like let alone in society, yeah. Like we we know as three guys who have played cricket against other men that some of the most horrific things that have ever been said have been said mm. in cricket fields. But you can somehow get away with it because it's in a you know it's in a, it's in a cricket fixture yeah. where you wear white clothing. But like this one, it's just bizarre. <laughs> mm. 
Oh, it's, yeah, I mean, homophobia is rife in cricket um, and, and some sections of society in mm. general. I mean, it's weird because it's a sport where you get naked in front of each other in the post-match showers <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and often play that up yeah. for social well, capital. Well, Pez last week said that he would play at a club where they used to piss on each other in the showers. Yeah. yeah. But there's nothing weird about that. There's nothing weird about that. No. No. That's anything, a completely different anything, thing. cricket is homoerotic yes. um, more than homophobic. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people rightly praised Joe Root for yeah. uh, what he said. And, and it was delivered in a very, uh, like, admirably non-cricket way. Like, he was just mm. looking really calmly and almost like, it's the best way to respond to a sledge, like, in it, just in a really bemused way. It's like, yeah. sorry, well, there's nothing wrong with being gay. I thought, yeah. like, from, I mean, obviously his comments were accurate and, you know, he did well there. But, like, it was just more that, like, he's playing in a test match. He's batting for his country. And the calmness of thought to just, mm. like, like, fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. Like I wish, like you know, you know, the thing. It's a Seinfeld thing of like I wish I said I that wish before. I'd said yeah. That, yeah, yeah. The jerks all called. They run out of you. That sort of stuff. <laughs> you always think about like what you should have said to a sledge. Yeah. Like I still think about that like seven years ago. How did you used to react to sledges? Just generally, were you a reactor or were you kind of a head down, scratch the wicket kind of bloke? Um, I would say I actually got. I actually really didn't get sledged very often. But if I, but if I did. Uh, two options: either just get on with it, or I would just like look at the person. Depends who was saying it. Very I couldn't bat yeah. for any length uh-huh. of time. <laughs> but like the yeah, if like you know when someone's sledging you and you look at them, you go, really, you're, you're sledging me. Yeah, like you can just like look at them, and then that kind of ends it because it's a very like pack like it's kind of keyboard warrior if you're sledging from second slip because like you yeah. can say whatever you want and there's Reddit. no repercussions, yeah. no repercussions. Yeah. Even in the, even in the test match, like Dharma Seema in like she's in the context of like he's in the middle of Root and Gabriel there like hears it and he just like he does a thing where umpires they just like put both palms up just like come on guys it is weird you, know, like, you have no power no power it is weird sledging now because yeah in the internet age we're used to like saying things anonymously on the internet under like handles and avatars yeah, and then thanks. you've got to actually put your face to your insult on a cricket field <laughs> I wonder if that's going to change you know as millennials and, and Gen X oh, so and when Z, we all get yeah. like Google glasses and stuff you're batting out in the middle and like some handle comes up in your eye yeah. And you don't know which player it is. His username like, comes up yeah, underneath DLT the hologram. Yeah. Do you like boys? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Tupac's hologram. <laughs> reply like typing. typing he's he's typing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's it going to say? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's yeah. a really good article from um, Jonathan Liu, a, a UK writer in The Independent, and he's, he sort of says, like, look, what Joe Root did was was commendable. Uh, let's not pretend that, you know, it's the like the greatest uh, kind of social like and cultural act ever done in cricket that mm-hmm. like there is a homophobia problem in cricket he, he mm-hmm. goes back to um that sledge between McGrath and Ramanesh Ramanesh oh, Sarwan years ago yeah. um where like all the focus was on Sarwan's reply about McGrath's wife but before that McGrath had said what does Brian, Brian Lara's dick taste like, like yeah um, and so said, "Ask your wife," and like that's actually quite <gasps> homophobic. From it reminds McGrath me of well. Kerry Ann Kennelly mm. feigning outrage over being called racist yeah. on mm. breakfast television. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Well, there's only one thing worse than racism. That's being accused being of racism. Accused of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't think of anything worse. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well done, Joe Root. I guess. All right. Well, uh, that's our wrap up for the entire summer and what's happening around the world with cricket as a whole. Dan Bredig's going to come up after that. BBL winner, uh, Cameron White. Rob Kwan is in the show. I don't know what's going on. We're not tired at all. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Hashtag ICJSA after that. You know what's happening to podcast. Listen up. Well, we're with who I believe is the, you know, new age doyen of Australian cricket writing. I'm, of course, talking about Dan Brettig, assistant editor of ESPN Crick Info and author of Bradman and Packer, books on sale now 
We've got you in to talk about Bradman and Packer because I can nary think of two greater alphas in Australian cricket history uh, in their own way. And we want to know what it was like to put that book together and to discover and learn about these alphas in their various guises. Dan, hello. Hello, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I looked straight into Dan's eyes as I said all of that. Um, Like, the book's out, Dan. Mm. Like, what was the most titillating thing that you learnt about Kerry Packer in writing this book? Probably that he realised that he could alpha everyone in Australian cricket except Sir Donald Bradman and that he had to go make the journey from Sydney to Adelaide to meet him in person, take tea at his house, meet him on Bradman's terms... Mm to come to an agreement to end World Series cricket. And knowing that he wanted to end the war as much as the ACB and Bradman did, but he couldn't get, he couldn't, um, get anywhere with Bob Parrish and Ray Steele, who were the, the chairman and treasurer of the ACB at the time, because Bradman was the power behind the throne. And he had to basically not go cap in hand to Bradman, but he had to go, well, you know, it's the classic kind of, you know, alpha beta thing, you know. Mm-hmm you come to me. Mm. And it was Packer who went to Bradman, not the other way around. So Bradman's on his porch, you know, he's offering iced tea, Daphne's there, and Kerry Packer just jumps off his private jet. And he needs this, Kerry Packer, doesn't he? He needs this. He does need it. He, he needs an end to being an amateur cricket administrator rather than a professional businessman and broadcaster. And he knew a lot about television and he loved cricket, but he and his lieutenants were getting very sick of running a cricket tournament, which they had done for two years. So we obviously know the like mythology of Kerry Packer being a kind of uh, like a, a maverick and very successful Australian businessman. There's stories of him in casinos, etc., and like he kind of has that like um, late millennium kind of charm uh, and uh, like cavalier attitude that a lot of Australians kind of think is is embedded within our character and there aren't enough of these guys around. Like we, we know about him as a businessman, but like what was Don Bradman like? As a businessman, like what would Bradman be like to deal with as a as the you know honcho club president of uh, Cricket Australia? Well, I think the thing about Bradman and Packer that's a real contrast in terms of their approaches to things is that Bradman lived through the Depression and Packer didn't, and that generation gap makes it um, very clear that they've got different outlooks. And to Bradman, cash is king, money in the bank, guaranteed funds, don't bet on blue sky, don't gamble, just be very conservative and make the most of what you have. Whereas Bradman was looking at Packer and being like, you know, how can we trust this guy? How do we, how do we know if we're going to um, ally up Australian cricket with Kerry Packer and his business interests? Yes, we know that he's very rich now, but, you know, that, that, might, all, that might all disappear. You know, the whole, like, Australian society going 20-odd years now or more without a recession, like that was a long way away at that point because the Australian economy had basically been boom and bust for a few years at that point. So Bradman had lived through that, whereas Packer was much more prepared to make gambles and, as we know, famously a gambler to um, to enlarge the size of his business. Dan, like 
What was like Kerry Packer's obsession with cricket? Like he basically had fuck you money where he basically was just like, I've got so much money, I'm going to stop international cricket and start my own thing. Mm. And then there's also the story in your book as well where he basically called the selectors and he was like, in 2005 for the Ashes, he was like, you need to pick Michael Hussey. Mm. Like, this guy's got so much money that he could just like tell people what to do in like out of his own lane basically. Like, But what was his obsession? David Hussey with- would have been a better pick at the time, but nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So, I mean, what, like, what was the... Like, why was he so obsessed with cricket, Kerry Packer? He loved cricket and he loved sport. He once had a conversation with Greg Norman, which, you know, true of Greg Norman, it was Greg who recalled this when Kerry Packer died, saying that uh, Kerry said to Greg at one point, Greg, you've got something that I'll never have. And Greg's like, what's that? You're number one in the world and I'll never truly be that. I'll never be number one in the world in business and you are in golf. Mm. And he had an admiration for sports people and for sport in general that way to see people go to the top of their game. And he would always talk somewhat deferentially to athletes who might be standing alongside executives who work for him who he'd be tearing strips off. So uh, he loved sport. He loved to associate himself with sport. He loved playing it, loved playing cricket, loved playing golf. He played in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am with Greg Norman once and trained for two years almost or 18 months to get himself ready and to get his handicap down to compete in that tournament and obviously the polo. So, uh, yeah, he what saw his himself... handicap down to, by the way? Do, do you know? Oh, I'm not sure exactly, but they won the Pro-Am. Single figs? Cool. Single figs. Sorry, I just want to know, like, like business guys just like like playing yeah. Trump level yeah. golf. Trump's you know off I mean? four, isn't it? Yeah, he's Trump off four. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's no, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Kim Jong Il shit. Yeah, <laughs> I can't be. I've just seen him. Yeah, Mister Burns playing golf plays a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Good image. Sorry, interu- interrupted you there, Dan. Like, like, like. So, um, how did you find bringing the book together? And, and can you maybe explain a little bit, like, how uh, the history between Bradman and Packer and the like, kind of um, evolution of cricket? as driven by Kerry Packer, um, kind of affects cricket today. Yeah. Well, the first thing I say about the book is that it took about six, seven years um, to go from being an idea to actually being a printed book. So, yeah, well. (laughs) And it really started with the opening of of an exhibition, um, permanent exhibition to World Series Cricket at the Brabham Museum in Barrel, which Richie Benno launched in January uh, 2013. And at that point, he told in his um, uh, in his missive at the at the launch that uh, he had a version of how Bradman and Packer met Mano a Mano to end the World Series cricket war and basically set up the next forty years. And one of the things about that um, period that still goes on today, I think, is that um, in terms of obvious legacies, Packer wasn't a big fan of twenty twenty cricket. He thought it was too short. He preferred test cricket and one-day cricket in terms of all the amount of advertising hours that it it gave him. Yep. And uh, therefore, he had no interest when in 2005 Cricket Australia was launching the Big Bash, the forerunner to the Big Bash League. Uh, Didn't want to have it on nine. Just wanted international cricket on nine and that included a few token T20 internationals, but he didn't want domestic T20. And so that separated that tournament for the, from the rest of what was the existing nine deal at the time. And that led us down the path to where we are now, uh, sitting in Channel 7 in Docklands with the cricket no longer on nine and half on seven and half on Fox Sports. Mm. Do you think uh, cricket would look different were he still with us? Or do you think it kind of would have passed him by? Do you think he would have kind of lost his interest in it and kind of, uh, you know, and T- T20 would 
regardless of his influence, still just become the gargantuan that it is today? It's a very good question. I think Thanks. if you look at <laughs> if you if you if you look at uh, well, well played, Sam. If you if you look at um, how. Uh, you know, Bradman was a bit of a visionary as an administrator in terms of how rigorous he was and how he was an advocate of moving the game forward and making sure that it was entertaining all the time and, and abhorred slow play. Packer was a visionary in understanding that cricket's true value was on television, not in terms of people coming into the gate. But at the time of World Series cricket, you could see that Bradman's views about the game fused with Packer's views about the game but Packer had a, a more highly evolved view of the television and business side of it but then you get you know a few years down the track and Packer doesn't see the value of 2020 because um, he's taking the more I suppose conventional view at the time because there were a lot of broadcasters at the time who were a bit iffy about whether 2020 was going to be a big thing so it would be very interesting to see whether he would have continued to adapt Mm. Um, I was just asking you, Dan, about um, Malcolm Knox actually wrote a, a piece a while ago about like the, the value of actual um, people into the grounds as opposed to what you're just saying just there. Kerry Packer saw it as much more of a television product. And Malcolm Knox's piece was basically like, why wouldn't you make tickets free? It's basically, so you get full grounds and it looks better on television, etc. Like, would Kerry Packer subscribe to that? Or is there still actual value in, you know, ticket sales, essentially? Well, perhaps the most famous story about Packer and cricket was the first game of world series at the scg in the second season where the members was empty because you know none of the members could be seen um in this anti-establishment fixture uh so he went down and threw the gates open uh i think he knew did he physically go down there by himself and throw <laughs> the gates open maybe not by himself gesture. but he was down there yes right. mm. so uh you know there was um certainly a case that um people coming through the gates had the chance to personally say um Thanks, Kerry. Thanks for thanks for letting us in. What would Bradman just quickly have thought of T Twenty cricket? Uh, I don't think I don't think Bradman would have been opposed to it because he had the view that limited overs cricket was something that was much more malleable than Test cricket. You know, you could you could change it and alter it in ways to ensure that it maintained the interest of crowds and spectators, and thereby bankrolled test cricket and the traditional forms of the game and of course he wasn't against changing the laws in test cricket as well he was a he was a, a big advocate for changing the lbw law to make it easier for bowlers to get wickets and by extension make tactics like body line or whatever something related to that defensive settings um make that less likely to come into the mind of a captain through sheer desperation what sort of uh, like do you reckon bradman would have been good at t20 cricket I reckon Bradman would have been pretty good at any sort of cricket, although he might have been challenged on his uh, desire to hit the ball along the ground. Mm. Did Bradman just want to like enhance the LBW rule, therefore just sort of like you know solidifying his ninety nine point nine four average ever being surpassed? So basically, mm. he just wanted like all mm. wickets to be easier to get. Mm. Bradman is that, is that was inquisitive and possibly autistic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. Well, mm. um, I think Bradman uh, certainly was. Uh, he, ba he backed himself as a batsman to score in any situation and he didn't appreciate the view that um, bowling short to him was the, was the way to, to get him out or the way to, to, to prove that he wasn't necessarily the, um, you know, the stoic, you know, Bill Woodfull, let the ball hit you on the chest kind of player. Um, but Do you think he could turn it on though? Like he, he could go aerial if he needed to or like put the clappers down? Yeah, I think off. I think he, I think he could. Like you know, famously, he only hit 
was it one six in his in mm. his test career? Uh, <laughs> Batted in the business shirt as well. That's true. Hey, look, are we talking about modern bats here, or mm. you know? Like <laughs> you seen Clary Grant ball? Mm. Yeah. Dan, we're being silly now. Uh, <laughs> uh, we defer to your expert knowledge. Uh, Dan's book, Bradman and Packer, is out through Slattery Media. Understands, and uh, it's on bookshelves now. You can get it wherever you need to get it. Um, and uh, is just it's it's essentially about the great the two great silverback alphas in their own way of Australian cricket and uh, how you know their business dealings kind of created cricket today. Uh, Dan, thanks for coming in. No worries at all, guys. Boys, he's one of our most requested guests of all time. He's a favourite son of Victorian, uh, not just cricket, but Victorian sport and uh, definitely embodies great cricket attitude as someone who actually was an international player. Uh, he's got his own um, podcast and broadcast show and he's on the radio all the time. Now I'm not going to name any of those shows for uh, contractual reasons uh, <laughs> and male competitive reasons. Yep. But um, yep. I'm, of course, talking about uh, Bobby Quiney, who's very happy to join us on the show. Uh, again, Bobby, Hello. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be back on here. You're very welcome, mate. Now, we wanted to get you on because, um, you know, the Stars didn't want to put up any players after their um, um, abominable loss yesterday. And we thought, well, let's talk to someone who's actually going to tell us how it actually is, Bobby. Um, you know, they went down in what must be considered one of the great chokes of T20 history. Do you think the circuit would have been better for them after the loss or at least darker? Yeah, well, it would have definitely been a better option because um, it means they would have just got out of the change rooms and straight into the circuit. I don't know if it would have been safe in Melbourne uh, if they went out on the circuit that night, but um, I think anything would have been better than um, sitting around Marvel Stadium after after what had happened. Where would they good would have gone if they were to go out on a circuit? Because obviously the victorious team, like if they ended up in the same pub, the same Melbourne establishment, what would have happened then? I think there's a, there's a really nice establishment next to the MCG on Punt Road. Um, it's something really nice where um, I don't think many people go in. Um, so it would be a really good place for them to go and bunker out. Yeah. Or you could just go and take it on. And, um, and they, they never shy away, do they? We've seen them during games, um, I guess, you know, play with a camera with some looks. And uh, at the AB, was it? No, I can't call it that anymore. The Cricket Awards. Um, you know, you had Marcus Stoinis and Adam Zampa, you know, dressed to the occasion. So mm. I don't think they'd shy away from it. But I'll tell you what, boys, unfortunately, um, win or lose, Obviously, they lost, but four of the boys, a few of the Aussie boys, had to get on a 6 a.m. flight today to go to India. So, um, yeah, if you won, I guess you could take it on and not sleep and just uh, take that chance you could sleep on the plane. But um, it was a tough gig either way. Mate, you're, you're a former Stars player, Bobby. Uh, you would have been watching yesterday, no doubt, kind of like tearing your hair out, none for 93. Everything looked great. I mean... As with all ex-players who can probably still play at a very high level, were you just thinking, I, I wish I was there playing? I could have got them over the line? Not not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so I was calling the game and um, at none for, none for, 90, uh, none for 93, um, and I was actually commentating saying, this is actually a really big relief for you know the CEO, Clint Cooper, and um, the president, Eddie McGuire, especially after what happened at Collingwood. I thought this is, this is a great release for them, and then all of a sudden, um, one wheel came off, the second wheel came off, the third and fourth wheels come off, and I think everyone there was just dumbfounded as to what happened. And um, yeah, that I've unfortunately been in a in a final and plenty of semi final losses with the Stars, so uh, I know 
how they feel somewhat, but that was that takes the cake, that's for sure. But we, we were talking earlier um, on the podcast about, you know, just in a great sphere of like, you know, when you're in the midst of a collapse, you just feel like you can't get out of it, a bit like quicksand, you know, and it's like, you, yeah. you, you can't, I mean, but you guys are professional cricketers, there's like international cricketers, you've got Dwayne Bravo who's played 9,063, you know, T20 games, <laughs> uh, you know, chipping a, you know, knee-high full toss to, to point somehow. Like, mm. like th- these guys are world-class professional cricketers and they couldn't score basically a run of ball? Like, mm. I, I, is, it, does it... Does, is great cricket the same as international cricket? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it, it did. It, it, it's quite apt that, that we're on it because it did look very clubby, didn't it? Um, from <laughs> maybe 52 or 42, um, Marcus Thorne has tried to sort of take uh, Cameron Boyce on, yeah. got bowled, and then I, I guess uh, yeah, it became a bit clubby after that. And I'm sure most of the renegades thought, you know, game's over, thinking about who's in the shed. As you said, there's international players there. The, the cattle was there, but um, unfortunately. Um, they did have their, their, their great hats on uh, and they come out to bat and, and they, they take some great shots. I think without doubt, Bobby, the, the person that we all collectively feel the most sorry for this morning is Eddie Maguire. Um, knowing really? Eddie, knowing the kind of guy that he is, I mean, we should all be getting around him. How would he be taking that this morning? Oh, I'm sure he's taken it in his stride and, and he's happy, he's fine. I mean, as you said, thinking back to September when, when Collingwood just, just fell short uh, and then now the stars and um, I could just only imagine what was going through his head with we were none down there's, there's 53 needed and he's just going this is fantastic that monkey is right off our backs um, we can celebrate he's got one eight years how good this and then yeah as, as we touched on it all went to uh, the shit after that and um, there's only two teams left boys who haven't won a title and, and the stars are one of them and the hurricanes are the other and I've got a sneaky suspicion that the Hobart Hurricanes, in particular, were celebrating when uh, when the Renegades won, and they they probably celebrating just as much, knowing that one, it was the Stars, and two, um, you know, that, because they're the other side that doesn't want anything. Mate, one of the sort of the key moments looking back on the night last night was Pete Haskins' dismissal, and he's sort of been he sort of copped rightly or wrongly the uh, the, the brunt of um, you know the sort of angst of the Stars fans for his mode of dismissal, like. Can you sort of understand the shot that he played and, and would he have even been given that much grief at the time because there's obviously still nine wickets in hand um, or would he, he just got like a fucking rocket when he got back to the sheds? I, I don't think there were any rockets last night. I think I think the coach was that upset that and and dumbfounded as to what happened. that it, Like, it, it's, it, you know, rocket, what's a rocket going to do now? It's, mm. it's, it's gone past. You're spot on. I, I think Pete's plan um, was okay except the timing of it. Um, mm. I, I didn't mind that he wanted to take the game on mm. but the second ball and, and you would have thought that the situation demanded him 52 or 42 would have been right up his alley um, to get in get 10 off 11 or 12 balls and then if you wanted to come down and play that shot after 12 balls then by all means go for it but I think he just had to give himself a lot more time and yeah. it just I was listening to um, the highlights when I got home and, and Adam Gilchrist is a, a really good word panic uh, and that's what finals does, and I, and I believe we panicked, and, and we just didn't need to for some reason. Yeah, Bobby, many obviously believe that BBL's run too long this season um, after schedulers kind of moved away from tried and tested strategies relating to ratings period and school holidays. Do you believe that more needs to be done to prevent the competition running into the opening weeks of Married at First Sight? <laughs> <laughs> Is that still going? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do you guys watch it? Religiously. The Big Bash. 
Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maths. You watch Maths? Maths. Mm. Yeah, of course we do. There's a great cricketer yeah. on there doing great things. Yeah, mm. merchants on there. I, I, was, I was thinking that uh, Married at First Sight would actually be beneficial for the, the Big Bash ratings because no one would watch it. But <laughs> I think I'm in the minority there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely I think little tweaks now, like they've set out the precedent with 14 games and I think the coaches and players have got their heads around that, you know, it's not the worst idea to play each other twice and, you know, once at home, once away. I think some condensing needs to happen and how they do that, I don't know because as we know, the, the Indians get their schedule first in the, in, in the international setup. So the BCCI, yep, no worries, Indians get what they want. Then the rest of the world uh, have to fit in around that and then our domestic tournament fits in into that as well. So, it is quite a struggle, but I guess it's easy to be negative and um, and critique a lot more than it is to be positive. And, and I think I've, I've turned a little bit in terms of, I was thinking 14 games is way too much. Um, it can be, but I think spot on, nine weeks is a long time. You add in a week prior to that because the boys go into camp and get in and, and do what they need to do pre-tournament. So there's 10 weeks, really, that you're in camp. And I don't, yeah, there's not many other tournaments to go for 10 weeks, really. Bobby, last time we caught up with you on uh, season one of our podcast, you had to fend off allegations that uh, you indeed used to go to grade cricket grounds despite being retired just to shower with your own um, <laughs> players. And I suppose I wanted to yep. check in on that question and, and say, is that something you still do? And did you go down to the Melbourne Stars um, showers last night? And what was the, the, the showering arrangements like, I guess? Yeah, well, you're spot on. And, and that was the main thing that I missed since I've retired, is showering alone. Um, and going back into St Kilda, St Kilda's change rooms have changed. They've got the cubicles now to obviously accommodate for, for men and women. Um, and I reckon it's a blight on the game. Uh, I don't think that um, you can you can really know each other if you, if you can't see each other nude. Um, and that was one thing. I just felt the timing wasn't right last night. I did go down to the Stars change rooms. I had my, my nephew and his mate, so it probably wasn't appropriate for me to, to de-ride, grab a, a Greg Rail and, and go straight into the uh, Andy Flower. So, um, I, think, uh, I think it's one of those things that I, I do miss. In saying that, there's, there's a couple of blokes that, you know, you, there's a couple of blokes who go, yeah, look, I just want to know a bit more. Dwayne Bravo, he, he played for Victoria for a little bit in the T20s and he's come back to the Stars. And there's one bloke I wanted to really shower with, um, but unfortunately never showered at the ground. So um, we couldn't have a rig off. And, and and yeah, that's probably one thing that I you know take to my my grave that I, I couldn't get to see Dwayne Bravo in the shower. So um, it is. It's something I'm really missing right now. There's times I take a chair into my own shower and pretend I'm just in the in the in the change room showers and, and I'll a BB in with me as well and, and see what happens. But uh, the wife doesn't like that too much. Shock, shocking. <laughs> Especially when I leave the empty cans in the shower, she really hates that. So just for just to clarify, you miss uh, cricket to the point where you pretend to shower after the game yeah. in your own <laughs> shower on a plastic chair with empty cans next to you. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the Stars game's over, I'll walk straight into the shower, take a can with me. Um, my wife knows where I'm going. She just doesn't like it. Uh, you go really far with that. Like, put like a stump through your front door. Yeah, like, yeah. trying right. to recreate. <laughs> sing the team yeah, in, the in the master yeah, bedroom yeah, if you yeah. win. Yeah. Getting a horrible decision. The stump goes through the window. And, um, shit goes everywhere. Yeah, I probably should take it to the next degree. I've been a bit tame with that. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, uh, Bobby, I don't. Uh, we had other questions, but I don't think that can be top. Uh, so um, we we appreciate you coming onto the show. <laughs> that was um, that was fantastic. I mean, thank you for the um, for the actual insights into cricket, but then you know the the searing insight into um, how shower politics actually works for post uh, or for retired players. Um, I'm sure you speak on behalf of many many players who've uh, gone through the same thing. It makes the world go round, fellas. And thanks so much for having me. And I'm loving your work. I love listening to you. It, it gets me through. I'll do a lot of whippersnippering and mowing lawns and on the ride on mower and I uh, put the, the earphones in and the earmuffs on and I listen to you guys and, and some, I reckon some people think uh, I'm a bit crazy because I'm just sitting there and giggling, giggling my ass off at the same time. So um, it's been great. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. I think we found a bit of a rhythm with the budgie smuggler conversation whereupon every week we talk about the custom smugglers yeah. you can get mm-hmm. if you purchase budgie smuggler and we talk about what we'd like on those smugglers mm-hmm. based on the week mm-hmm. uh, that's been. Yes. For me, mm-hmm. this week, I'd go Cameron White's Gecko Raw uh, after winning nice. the BBL where he emerged nice. from the throng neck and face aloft and mm. then the frills mm. of his gecko <laughs> head uh, kind of spawned mm. and he roared like the Nutrigrain ad. The Nutrigrain ad. That'd mm. be my new smuggler, custom smuggler's picture. Nice. Yeah, okay. How about you? Mm. I would go for uh, Joe Root's retort if I had to choose and I would say Speech. don't use that as an insult. Speech bubble? Speech bubble. Okay. Yep. Yep. Edgy. I would go with um, Shane Warne's tweets from the last two months. <laughs> just, you know, a little collage. Mm. Two months, yeah. You know, a bit of Photoshop work. Just. Yeah. That could be a bodysuit for a, for a female smugglet. Mm. Mm. Particularly the kind of in- interaction he had with Jim Maxwell. Oh, yeah, that was right. great. This week yeah. uh, that really kind of... What was that, Ernest? Basically, Jim Maxwell was talking about uh, the commentary on Fox Cricket right. and Shane Warne was turning into a bit of a cheerleader in right. his view. Mm-hmm. And then... Warney retorted, you know, with in the way that only Warney can, mm. the most aggressive offering I've ever seen. Yes, mm. on a Twitter of a frail broadcasting legend. Mm. Mm. Didn't he call him like Jimmy? Like you could literally yeah. imagine Warn at first mm. slip, yeah. like he was to like Paul Collingwood, Paul Collingwood. Like, calling yeah. the guy by an affectionate nickname, mm-hmm. but actually it's just laden with mm. with aggression. He, he said something about he called him a dinosaur. He said yeah. go back to the T Rexes or something, yeah. and then he said hope you enjoy my commentary tomorrow on Fox Cricket. How could you improve that? Because I wouldn't mind being called a T-Rex mm. if I was going to be called any dinosaur in an alpha world. Mm. You know what I mean? The T-Rexes actually never stood up. They they kind of walked like lizards. Right. Um, oh, really? How could they're, you They're being depicted as standing taller than they were, kind of like yeah. how men sometimes broaden their shoulders when they're in a dark alley right. to appear bigger. Yeah, right. Uh, the T-Rex actually was an animal that kind of crawled. That's why he's, he's, he obviously doesn't have very big pipes. Have you ever seen yeah. the T-Rex's yeah. pipes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not big. Is that a real thing they used to? Yeah, they, 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 didn't they, stand were, up. they weren't. They, they did at times. So like when they were cat. trying to project alpha them, yeah. right? Um, but right. I'm pretty sure from an Attenborough documentary or yeah. something that I saw once. It wasn't Attenborough. Yeah, because he does, few, he does modern day animals. <laughs> but it was a different documentary. There are beta, beta, I should say, mm. uh, dinosaurs around. Like, like he could have called him a Diplodocus. Yeah, so, you know, Brachiosaurus, just like like tall. But you think you only, think Shane Warne could have done that? Would have been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, Jurassic, <laughs> Triassic era, Ankyl- yeah. Ankylosaurus, which I always liked as a kid because you could um, you trip people over. Is Warney a T-Rex? Is Warney a T-Rex? What else would he be? Yeah, I don't know. I th- he has to be. He's a definitely T-Rex. not a Stegosaurus. Mm. He, he could be like a Triceratops because like he's, he's a bit shorter and stockier. Right. Mm. You know, so, so basically we're thinking Another smuggler you could get Just because we're still doing this really I think, I think Warren's, Warren's a pterodactyl Just flying around Just shitting on everyone Okay <laughs> Still a little, Yeah See what I did there? Yeah 
You, you could have a Triceratops face with Warren's face superimposed on mm. it. That could be another smuggler. Yeah, it's still an ad. <laughs> People will buy budgie smugglers <laughs> off the back of this. Funnily enough, we have we have had good feedback from the head of Budgie Smuggler that like people yeah. are using the discount mm. code CHAMP if you are ordering right. 11 or more right. Budgie Smugglers. If you go on to budgiesmuggler.com and type in the discount code CHAMP, you mm. can get a some sort of discount, yep. a significant discount. It's I'm less money than when you usually... Less yeah. mo- when yeah. you press the button, yeah. there'll be it's worth yeah. lower putting in the code figure. Lower yeah, number yeah, than less, the yeah. previous. And it would just be fun to type in capitals CHAMP. Um, case sensitive mm. yeah, uh, and just see a, a, a lower number there I do it on other things and never works but Budgie Smuggler it works mm. yeah. budgiesmuggler.com.au custom smugglers whatever you want Shane Warne tweets Jim Maxwell Triceratops whatever um, Joe Root sledges the choice is yours budgiesmuggler.com.au It's our great pleasure, and I can't believe we've actually managed to do this. He goes, you've um, done the digging on this, um, but we've managed to secure a, a victorious Melbourne Renegades player, um, not even close to 24 hours after their success. Yep. Um, the guy we've got on the phone is um, you know, one of the leading lights of cricket in this entire state. Yep. Uh, he's a very happy man after mm. defeating yes. the Melbourne Stars yesterday. He showed that uh, very visually. Upon um, <laughs> upon securing the win, I'm of course talking about Cameron White. Cameron, welcome to the Grade Cricketer. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Um, why can't I hear any rowdy blokes, especially Aaron Finch behind you, um, <laughs> drink, drinking uh, at pace? Well, if I was if Dan Christian was anywhere near me, you'd be still able to hear him. But unfortunately, I'm not in the same, same area as him. So no, but he's he's probably still leading the charge. And unfortunately, I had to wake up to well, not unfortunately, but. Oh, I had the family around Leo this morning, two kids just jumping in my bed. So, yeah, that was nice to wake up to with a bit of a headache. I actually just saw a tweet from Dan Christian. Um, it was a very gracious and well-punctuated tweet. So I imagine his publicist wrote that because he's obviously hammered right now. <laughs> Believe it or not, Dan, Dan actually prides himself on his own, that sort of thing. So he thinks he's pretty good at crosswords and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, but you wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, Cam, let's let's go into the game now. I mean, you've you've got to be like absolutely just stoked and like amazed. And is it is it real? I mean, that's like of all the things you've done in your career, um, I'm sure this is probably the most satisfying. But just the way it came about, seven to, seven for nineteen, you probably thought the game was done and dusted. Turned it around, winning. I just like just talk us through it. Yeah, well, I guess it was like you. We thought you know, I was getting to the stage where absolutely no chance. Then within the space of about five or six balls, I thought, geez, we can't lose this. So it was a pretty quick sort of it was a pretty quick sort of turnaround. So yeah, I've sort of played in a, probably a few games like that over my career, but never in a like obviously a big game. So um for that to happen and uh yeah, in the in the circumstances it was a very sweet victory. So um it's nice to be on the sort of the winning side of uh, you know, something like that. So it was very uh satisfying. So when, you know, they were none for eighty or just cruising, um did you just think, yes, this is over, and then you would have run through like the, the entire spectrum of human emotions, and then five balls later, you're thinking, we cannot lose this. What does it kind of feel yeah, like well, to go through that in the space of five balls? Oh, you sort of still, you're sort of hanging on to some sort of hope there, you know, and even though they, they should still just cruise to victory, um, but you sort of think, oh, if you can get one wicket, maybe 
maybe you're half a chance. But it's, uh, yeah, but it was, you know, it's unlikely. You're thinking, geez, they're going to they're going to get these done down. This is going to be a bit embarrassing. They're going to absolutely flog us, and then, mm. yeah, as I said, sort of changed very quickly. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting one. So I mean, so uh, fast down. Ken, yeah. I'm sorry to continue digging into this theme, but like, can you tell us specifically what your losing most thought was at, <laughs> at like, 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 as in like, like because they're obviously it's a, obviously a different circuit when you lose, but yeah. it's a circuit nonetheless. Like, yeah. can you tell us like because <laughs> I was like texting me going, "Well, this is a fizzer, it's done," because yeah. the stars were like clinically walking towards victory. It wasn't even like a it, it wasn't like a fireworks display. It was yeah. just like we're going to kind of walk towards this win really easily and kind of really confidently. So like what. What was your losing most thought? Like, 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 where, like, yeah. where were we so, at tonight? What it, am I going to wear? Yeah, yeah, retirement speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets to when it gets to that stage, you just it was probably an overall two away from just like, oh my god, can I just just get this done with this so we can get off the ground? <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it didn't quite, you know what I mean? It didn't quite get to that stage, but that's that's where it was sort of that, when it gets you know down to that sort of twenty five or thirty. You're like, Jesus, yeah. I'd like get him off the next ten balls so he can just get off, <laughs> just get, get, get off the field. Here. But <laughs> so, yeah, that, thankfully didn't get to that. Uh, mate, I, I know you're uh, like a seasoned cricket professional, so you're unlikely to, to divulge like things that are actually said in the team huddle, but like, you know what it's like when you're on the winning side, when a collapse is happening and mm. when you all gather in, in the group, you know, after a wicket, mm. like what was this, what was the funniest thing said like, by somebody <laughs> when it was sort of got to four or five down, you're like, we're actually going to win this. You know what I mean? Like, like can, can you divulge any, like, like yeah. maybe the strangest thing yeah, said in the huddle? <laughs> Well, as you know, at any any sort of le- level, whether it's great ticket or first class or BBL, it's just uh, you know, there's stuff about gas and trucks and stuff like that. That's sort of, you know, <laughs> you know, there was a bit of that sort of stuff mentioned, but um, you know, I mean, you don't want to go into it too much. It was just <laughs> how much <laughs> it was, like, was good, it like, like wild hyena laughing? Because you yeah, know, what, once yeah. the collapse starts happening, yeah. like. Laughing ends up becoming the celebration, yeah. like as the ball gets skied and stuff yeah, like that. Like when, kind when, of muffled giggling. Yeah, I cannot you, believe this. Is when happening. did the laughing start? When Maxwell started? Uh, the laughing. <laughs> no, the laughing doesn't start till you really know that you've sort of you've won. So probably not. Probably not mid air with a high ball. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, especially after having just having dropped one earlier or a couple of couple of levers before, but. Um, nah, it was just, there was there was plenty of laughter, but yeah, especially right at well, when Dan Christian bought that last ball, there was plenty of laughter. Then I'll give you a tip. <laughs> um, just just before we get into your sort of um, personal experience with this as well, because I know it's um, a, a very sweet victory for a lot of reasons. But uh, Aaron Finch um, cut a figure of just like like a steaming figure um, yeah. all, all day. Mm. Obviously, um, you got him out uh, with his, his straight <laughs> drive and whatever, and he he poleaxed that chair, which was um, also hilarious yep. in retrospect. Yep. And he was flinging the ball around like was he just blowing up the entire time in the field before <laughs> um, you guys realised you were going to win? <laughs> They're actually incredibly incredibly tough. Those plastic chairs. I give one a bit of a touch up earlier on in the season. You cannot you cannot break those particular chairs. I know that. It just cuts you back to pieces. As Aaron probably found out. But um, no, he in the field he was actually very calm. But I think it was just probably a bit of built up frustration. Like when a dismissal like that happens, you think, oh, geez, this is just not meant to be today. So yeah, but thankfully it was. And let's just talk about the raw emotion upon winning and, and holding aloft the, is it a trophy, a shield? I'm not sure, yeah. um, whatever it is. But like once you kind of got out of public view, I mean, we saw, you know, the, the, the victorious huddles and all that kind of stuff. But I want to know what it was like once the cameras were removed from the scene and, you know, how did you kind of celebrate and what were the scenes there? 
Well, it's kind of what we've just about talk, talked about here. It was like just how did that sort of unfold and how did it happen, really? We were just sort of like replaying it. And like just this, genuinely asking each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 50, <laughs> 53 from 40-odd balls, and you think, Jesus, we'll look down the barrel there, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're here sort of celebrating. So mm. it was just more reflecting on the, you know, how it all come about. And as I said, there was a you know, mention of a few things. So... Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Obviously, there's plenty of people down in the rooms and everyone's yeah. having a beer and things like that. So, you know, all the usual stuff, but it was just a pretty sweet feeling. Yeah. So, just two beers and then home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, right, I yeah. might have had three. Yeah, I might have had four, and then that was it. I mean, it's got to be like an extra sweet victory for you, Cam. I mean, obviously, yeah, your time with the Stars ended there a few years ago, but just like, have you seen the footage back of your guttural, mm. you know, Nutrigrain-esque roar in the huddle when you're embracing Dan <laughs> Christian? You know, just like, I mean, like, obviously, nickname of the bear. Like, you've never looked more like a polar bear in your life, surely. Just like coming out. Grizzly bear. Just a grizzly bear. Just so that must be no. satisfying, a guttural roar like that. Yeah, not since I was 15 kilos overweight as a 17 or 18-year-old. I looked more like a polar bear. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was, yeah, that was, a, there was a lot of, a lot of emotion, you know, there and just as, yeah, having played at the Stars, obviously, and then, mm. uh, now, having leaving there and whatever circumstances is sort of just, you know, that adds a bit of sweetness to the victory. I sort of said that sort of yesterday, yeah. a couple of the coverages. So, yeah. yeah, it was obviously nice. Um, but in saying that, like, I've got obviously a lot of good Victorian teammates there and a lot of friends. So, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you're disappointed for the for the players and stuff like that. So, it would be a pretty tough one to cop. But obviously, for our boys and, you know, personally, it was, you know, as I said, a pretty, pretty nice one. Mm. Does part of the sweetness come from the fact that the victory was about 20% Renegades and 80% Stars losing? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we, one thing we did talk about after the game was, like, say, if we had made, you know, batted well and got a big score and bowled them out and we was like, you know, we, we, you know, we won the game and, you know, that's all great and, you know, we outplayed them, we're always going to win. But probably the circumstances around what, how it actually won was probably made the victory feel even better because, you know, we... They played us for a, for you know a huge part of the game and we were able to sort of sneak, sneak, sneak in the yeah, yeah sneak in the back door, which made you know talk about sweetness and things. That was that was probably what mm. did make it quite sweet. Mate, what about Aaron Finch? Like he, he's he's on a flight to India at six a.m. this morning, just after like probably one of the the longest, hardest summers. You know, he's obviously playing over there in the UAE as well before the Australian summer started. Tough Test series, you know, uh, going all the way in the Big Bash and then going to you know, six a.m. flight to India. Like it's just that's crazy, isn't it? It's just never ending being on the brutal on the reckon, yeah. circuit. Yeah, yeah, mentally, I reckon it'd be tough work. So, big, big. You know, big challenge for him over the next sort of. It's going kind to of be brutal tour, very tough tournament in in, in India, and then yeah. I don't think it'll be any easier once they get to Dubai either versus Pakistan. So yeah, yeah tough t- tough times there. So it'll be a big challenge for not only Finchie but a few of those boys there, no doubt. Mm. It, I just want to keep going back to the sweetness, <laughs> Cam. Like, um, <laughs> is, um, oh, no, I mean, that's all I've said for well. <laughs> <laughs> That particular win and the style of win and the circumstances of the win, given that there is like a crosstown rivalry, however like semi-confected it kind of is, like like you guys will have that over the stars forever. Like the way they lost that match is yeah. like literally brand defining. Like it doesn't matter what they've done <laughs> until now, losing against Melbourne when they had it in the bag more than any other cricket match I've ever seen <laughs> means that like they are like perennially um, a, a choking franchise yeah. and they will... and until they like 
play against the Renegades in a final and win in more dramatic circumstances, mm. which mathematically or mm. probability wise will never happen. Mm. That means you, you guys have actually won the you've won it. You've won the derby mm. forever. <laughs> Is it, how, how does that feel? Forever. We didn't pull it off. They could they could win the next ten. I uh, still don't think it would have ended. They have to that, win the World Cup. Yeah, they would have to actually yeah, <laughs> get into international cricket. The World State Warriors, after they choked in that 3-1 yep. exactly. um, the final thing. series, they're going to yeah. have to win the next 16 yeah. NBA finals to just <laughs> make up for that. Yeah. Um, Cam, with the, um, you know, obviously you played in front of 40-odd thousand or whatever it was last night. How's it going to feel um, in a couple of weeks when you play shield cricket in front of three blokes? <laughs> <laughs> Two blokes and a dog down at the junction on Saturday. Yeah, it would be a great atmosphere again there, wasn't it? The Duke's ball swinging around corners trying to block it. Yeah. It's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Shield cricket's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to cover drive one, you miss it by a foot because you'd swung so fast. <laughs> Um, Cam, well, uh, on that note, thanks for joining us. Um, slightly disappointing that uh, you've gone to attend to your family, but very admirable mm, as well. Yeah. Um, but you um, <laughs> can have it all. Yeah, you can actually have it all. Children in bed in the morning. That is, no, that is that's, that's a wonderful thing. Congratulations on the victory. Congratulations on being part of the team that won the Melbourne Derby and has won it definitively forever. It cannot be uh, superseded. And for confirming the stars as um, perennial Chokers, uh, you've won the Big Bash League. Obviously, go on and um, succeed with Victoria in the cricket now because you guys win all that as well. So, um, and, and, and thanks for joining us at 11:30 uh, a.m. the day after you've won the Big Bash. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, boys. I don't play cricket for results. I don't come to take wickets, score runs, or win games. Play cricket to look good. Rigs, chests, pipes, circuits, salads. This is my domain. So when I hit the sheds, I need to radiate success. That's why I use Chop King Cologne by TGC. With a blend of the finest handcrafted English willow, and Kookaburra Red King Leather. Chop King Cologne lets me radiate cricket. Whatever the ground, whatever the circuit. Chop King Cologne. The new fragrance for men by TGC. Reek of runs without hitting them. Lads, it's the final hashtag AskTGC of this Australian summer. I mean, like, the season never ends, as we've discussed before, but, like, the calendar, like, we, we can't be covering the cricket in India. You know, we've been all over the place. There's just too much going on. We need a little break. There's obviously a huge summer coming up. The World Cup and the Ashes is on. Don't know if you caught that, Edos, but that's also a thing. Then the Rugby World Cup in Japan after that, which obviously we'll be covering the play-by-play play there. That we're not, we're not doing it. We just need that. a little break, he goes. Yeah. It's been a long summer for us. It's a long summer for the cricketers themselves, yep. but also for us. Yeah. And you probably need a break from us. Don't you think Cameron White sounded tired and he's got four more Shield games left? So so, so what about the podcasters this world? Uh, speaking of that, uh, I will say a very hearty thank you to those people who um, clicked a few buttons and took the three and a half requisite hours it took to um, to vote for us for the podcast awards. I suppose I think we find out if we're a finalist in the coming weeks or months or something. Not really too sure how it works, but uh, we'll let you know how it goes if you've got any interest in that at all. Um, but as ever, before we, uh, we get into these four questions here uh, of the Australian and summer thank you so much for downloading each week thank, taking the time to listen to us talk about cricket deliver cricket in a new and exciting way and uh, humanizing uh, evil evil cricketers uh, and administrators um all right 
So, here we go. Uh, Jordan Aubrey <laughs> Ryman. <laughs> Figure of speech. Figure of speech. <laughs> Hi, TGC. As avid fans of your books, podcasts, and videos, a group of us have decided to create a last man stands team in homage to all things TGC. We're Champignon Cricket Club. <laughs> After the best champing in either of the books from Nugsy's dad to Nugsy. We have Century Circuit Chop in Latin on one of our sleeves, and our badges are uh, cleverly circled by a boundary rope that forms the Greek letter Alpha. Wonderful. <laughs> First of all, where in the pecking order does Last Man Stands cricket line up with the likes of park cricket and all levels of grey cricket, in your opinion? After work on a weekday means more people turning up in suits than ever before, which might mean that it's actually an accentuated microcosm of grey cricket, just in the bite-sized manageable pieces which plays into our millennial need for fast results and bite-sized content. This is fucking, this is good, Jordan. Mm. And secondly, and to be honest, the only part of the hashtag RCGC that we care about, our our original shirt sponsor, Our Workplace, pulled out presumably because they didn't want to be associated with a bunch of lads who rather than working all day design cricket shirts and talk about shadow batting. Can we, pl- uh, can we put Chop King Cologne on our shirts to complete our look at no cost or benefit to yourselves? P.S. Even if you say no, we'll probably do it anyway as we have no other options. Go well, Jordan, El Presidente, CCC. Well, firstly... What a wonderful message oh. that is. And yep. like it's always – messages like that are always like, like create create a problem because there's a growing body of people who consume the grey cricketer who write to us with better and funnier copy than we have. Mm. Uh, mm. And the, the immediate reflex is to delete, block, abuse. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> immediate uh, reflex. Yeah, yeah, as a man yeah. <laughs> to do that. And then you kind of – coach yourself and go no no this is this is really good and i think to be very humbled by how do we monetize this and how do we monetize <laughs> it and also hey that's a pretty fucking good logo actually yeah. <laughs> let's use that in the next book or whatever you copyrighted that yeah, um, yeah yeah so yeah um like a yeah wonderful initiative and glad that um you know that champ is obviously you know awareness of champ yep. ironically and otherwise is mm. growing in the lexicon yes um not fully there yet there's still a lot of champion going on um but we started the conversation yeah james ashby champed brian burson from one nation during the week so yeah, champ yeah. isn't all the way through yeah. as a term of condescension but little initiatives like that really help so mm. uh, what was that bloke's name again uh jordan no, jordan albury i was just saying that um <laughs> jordan <laughs> what is that congratulations that was yeah, a, a, a wonderful message last man stands dave what is that where is yeah, it? Where's it sitting in the pecking order? I don't think it sits very high in the pecking order. Mm. I mean, I don't know much about it. Our tour manager and um, our mm. touring company, mm. um, some of the guys there playing the last man stands, and they're no cricketers, mm. are they? They're not cricketers. It's a great well, name for a tournament, like in a very fucking yeah. like um, like philosophical level. Yeah, I well, I'm I'm well, it's like by comedy, it. isn't it? Last man standing, and they are. A uh, comedy agency, so it makes sense for them to be there. I'm torn by it because, like, the standard of it's complete yuck. Like, it's beneath oh. park, but it's like, but it's people enjoying cricket, and it's like people making time to play cricket after work, True. and like, you know, it's just, it's just a place it's for people. It's an opt in. It's an opt in. People get together to play the game yeah. that they enjoy. They grow up With playing. Their mates, they, don't, they don't have time. You create your team. Exactly. It's collaborative. Yes. Community. So I think it's like it's a wonderful thing. I mean, personally, I wouldn't be caught dead in the last man's <laughs> Fuck don't. No, <laughs> no this opt in idea is interesting, though. I think. Yeah. Uh, because most of the cricket you see on a Saturday when you're driving past uh, and you're a guy's just standing in the field with shirts out or whatever and you're saying to yep. your wife, like, no, no I just got to watch this ball like, yep. you know, as you're driving, keep yep. your eyes on the road, etc. And that mm. whole thing goes mm. on. Like, there's a lot of guys who, who like, need to opt out of cricket mm. there and don't know how. Mm. Um, they're just stuck in that mm-hmm. endless contract. Mm-hmm. Whereas Last Man Stands is a real opt-in kind mm. of competition. Yeah. Not that I've ever played or ever would I actually played. I actually played the UK final in 2000. 
something 10 yeah. maybe it was at lords actually yeah. it's like only last man stands going to ever play yeah. it's great it's good go? fun um it was good it's good day yeah i how'd, did I, how'd you go i played well so you're going with your own score first Yes, I don't, I don't remember the team. Score. Personal pronouns. Yeah, we lost. Team lost. Look at I love you're like genuinely like trying to like humbly get out of saying how you did, but it's not going to happen. So, what was the precise scores? I don't remember the team scores. I remember I scored seventy three not out, and we lost the game. I was very happy. So, and that's verifiable online, isn't it? Because there are people who've written Wikipedia. Yeah, but I was uh, the team that I, I was drafted in illegally because I was overseas playing in the UK at the time. Wow. And my team, um, the guy who couldn't play, yeah, a guy couldn't play. So, and then another guy that I was playing with at my club in England, right. he was in the team as well. And he was like, "Oh, we'll just bring our overseas player in." So, did I, anyone dispute that? Anyone got when you got to about twenty or thirty? Was anyone like, "This bloke's pretty good"? He just like, confessed publicly that you were brought in illegally, and yeah, like, yeah. But so I guess on a, the, on yeah. a faulty visa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah. the, the the question they've asked is, can they put chocolate oh, yeah, alone right. on the shirts and right. look? What's the rate that we'll be happy to accept as in terms of a commission? Well, we're getting better at it's commercial probably stuff. five, six figures, I'd imagine. Yeah, I would have thought so. But you get that kind of we money. We can do a 50-50 cricket. rev share. Yeah. yeah. Okay. About 50-50. Just finally on last man stands, like just yeah. on the, it, it's a very data-driven competition, right? Because when I was in London as well, like people would, because, you know, um, if you play cricket at work, you become the cricket guy. Yeah. Um, people, like I, I had a colleague of mine whose husband, uh, was, or fiancé, sorry, was like, According to her, an exceptionally good cricketer. Right. He's really good, Love and it. he's got these great stats. Love and he's uh, right. and like it's and it was I was new at the job, and I yeah. didn't want to like kind of look. start going like, well, hang on, what, what competition is that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, like you've got the like twitch yeah, wanting yeah. to do it. Has he uh, got the right kind of runs? But he like, kind of stuff. Um, he's rewriting history. History's yeah. written by the winners. Yeah. yeah. He but last man stands is really good with averages. Like it actually like mm. it uh, sorts it them out. Yeah, yeah. You actually mm. end up with a fucking ranking. Yeah. Uh, which I find hilarious as well. And then part of is like well what would I rank and stuff and yeah. like, but I, I had no data I could go back to her with because mm-hmm. ultimately the que- you know the underlying question is are you better than my husband yeah. when you want to say like I'm sure I am yeah um, <laughs> and, and I'm a yeah. dickhead like yeah. I'm, an ab- I'm a fucking dickhead yeah, yeah. alright okay this one comes in from no name doesn't want to get fired uh, g'day lads, I'm an Aussie Gap student working at a prestigious boys ages 8 to 13 boarding school in England. A boy in the top year is an absolute cricket prodigy. He peels off hundreds in all forms of rep cricket around the country. Everyone is convinced that he will be the English cricket captain in 10 years. Obviously, I have a patriotic, patriotic obligation to ensure that this kid falls out of love with cricket and never stop, steps foot onto an international cricket pitch for any match, let alone the Ashes. I have a two-hour time slot with him uh, a week in the indoor nets. This would be an opportune time to slowly tear apart his confidence and ruin the game of cricket for him as a whole. What should I do in these sessions to ensure the utmost derailment of his promising cricket career? Cheers. P.S. Please don't say my name. I don't want to get fired. <laughs> He's used that as the header of the comment and also as the closing sentence, so he really doesn't want to well, get I, fired. I changed his name just for the sake of the agenda. Oh, yeah. okay. I forget his name, though. Anyway, right. yeah. So what, what, should, what should no name uh, do to derail the hopes and dreams of the, uh, the English cricketing public? Got to do something. He's got to get inside his head. Bump him. It doesn't need to be physical bumpings. It needs to be, you know, mental torture. (laughs) Mental torture. Mental torture. I'm advocating. Would it be like like trying to establish whether this wunderkind like has other interests in life and just kind of subtly start talking about like how much time, how time consuming cricket is. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get the best A-levels, if you want to go to the best universities, have the biggest, best success in your life, in your mm. career, your relationships, 
He's too young though. Was, now. He's yeah. too many tons. Mm. He's not ready mm. to be manipulated mentally. Well, the thing is, I was going to say the same thing. You know, because like, like you know, like he's between eight and thirteen. He's in the top year, so he's probably either twelve or thirteen. So he hasn't got any other interests yet. Mm. No. Like maybe he could introduce a a, a young girl. Or well, I was thinking that too young. If you're twelve, so he might be, but, he's but probably going through puberty. There's a lot of hormones kicking around. Yeah. And also, age. you're probably like physically advanced if you're hitting heaps of tons at twelve or thirteen. Oh, yeah, okay. Because you know, well, everyone at twelve or thirteen is just bigger than yeah. everybody else. That's why. Could he place like a you know a paperback copy of Playboy in his cricket kit <laughs> or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so get him, get him expelled. <laughs> do they do paperbacks? Yeah, you get him a subscription to Pornhub. Yeah, yeah, get him a premium subscription to Pornhub. Is that that's, is that off? So Possibly. get him get him expelled from his prestigious uh, boarding school in the UK. That's probably one way to derail a career because, like in in the UK, to make it, you have to play in like the Bunbury tournament, which is like under 15s. It's where like every um, like English cricketer goes through. Whereas like there's no grade system in the UK. Like you, it's like it's for gentry cricket yeah. in England. Whereas here, it's probably a bit more working class. Mm. That'd it's a very, very interesting question. Like, how do you manipulate a twelve to thirteen well, maybe English person out of playing cricket? This kid mm. is at a prestigious boys' school. Mm. Can he do something to, like, you know, decimate his father's earnings potential <laughs> so he has to leave the school and go to a shitty state school? Yeah. And then his yeah. cricket will fall apart because you know, there's all sorts of socioeconomic difficulties. Yeah. That's interesting. So don't focus on the child. Focus on the father's yeah. money. You've presumed it's the father's money too. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I have. That's oh, good. sorry. Yeah. Well, it could be. You know, even. Oh, let's not go there. Well, probably, <laughs> no, no, let's go there. It's probably old money. It's probably old money. <laughs> Resign. Where does the let's money come from? Fucking help cares with your cuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rodney Hogg. All right. Um, we haven't answered any questions there. So, um, yeah, all the best. No name. Uh, Charlie Newman says, Dear hashtag AskTGC, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, As the new season here in England approaches and the pre-season optimism fostered by a winter of shadow batting in front of the bedroom mirror gives way to the stark reality of pre-season nets, I'm left once again questioning my already troubled relationship with the game. Despite having, by my dad's words, the best bowling action he's ever seen as a seven-year-old, I'm now a gritty opening batsman for a village side lacking ability and principles. My captain and opening partner is a 50-year-old man of questionable morals with a penchant for taking on the new ball and cocaine. However, despite his age, drug addiction and high-risk approach to life on and off the field, he is often good uh, for a quick fire 50 and last season eclipsed me in the averages. Rather than suffer another season of indignity, I'm now 26, is it time for a change? Should I, A, bat outside of my crease, therefore negating any early swing C movement, B, take an off-stump guard and leave anything outside my eye line in the first five overs, or C, buy new top-of-the-line pads at great expense? Cheers, Charlie. Well, you've got to get a new kit. That's I love that his two solutions to his questionable relationship with the game is like where he takes guard. Stands <laughs> like the three op- of the three options I've got mm-hmm. to re- to address my fundamental relationship <laughs> and standing in cricket. Two of them involve where I bat, like in the crease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, thanks. No, I haven't got an idea though. Uh, I mean, what happened between you know having the best bowling action his dad's ever seen as a seven-year-old to becoming a gritty? Yep. Opening batsman in a fucking yep. village side at the age of 26. What happened in those intervening 19 years is what yeah. I want to know. We need well, to actually connect Charlie with the guy who spoke before. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. That's what I was going to say because like the the thing is that we can take away from this is everyone's going to play for England yep. when you're that age. Everyone's going to play for Australia when that age. Our first book, this is for everyone who wanted to play cricket for Australia but mm-hmm. didn't. Like it's just it, like everyone thinks they are going to make it until you realise 
the, you actually go and play against other people who are good or as good as you and there's better people men than you. from you know the western suburbs who will win at all costs and yeah. abuse you yeah. or, physically and mentally or from the northern leagues in the UK you know it's a big country out there it's a wide country yep. you know people are people are good all around so just I, I, would, I would Charlie I'd say like get you know get new pads mm. just feel good feel mm. good by looking good that's what you can do go okay. to the gym your back grip like sh- colour should match your eye colour and you just start really making sure you, yeah uh, that you kind of align in terms of fashion. So, uh, and there are people who can help you. I've with never that. thought get about a, that. Get a stylist. Yeah, I once got. Do a your bat eyes pop handle. more when your your bat handle kind of resembles the color of your eyes? Yes. Everyone has okay. white. Everyone has white grips now. Mm. Like colorful well, grips. Well, That's. <laughs> well, there were. Yeah, that's right. It's advantageous to do that, but um, there. Yeah, there's two fashion approaches, I suppose, with cricket. You can like there is the people who go the like the kind of worryingly pure all-white kind of uh, yep. approach. Do you yep. notice that? Puritans. Yeah, like white, white, yep. um, white kit, like a lot of white colouring, a lot of white motifs. Virginal white. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, or you go super colour, you know, to the point where like Adam Zampa wears like, you know, different yep. coloured shoes and stuff with ODI kits. So. Mm. Right. My last year that I played, everything was white. What's well, like Wimbledon versus Oz Open attire, yep. Wimbledon all-whites, Australian mm. Open Fucking highlight mm. colours, mm. fluoro everywhere, Nick Kyrgios in mm. Nike pumps or whatever he wears. Mm. I just suggest in this like Brexit trench warfare era that going all white is possibly problematic, but but I understand people might disagree with that and that's why we've got this trench warfare. <laughs> okay. Last question of the Australian summer comes from Tom Hartney. And thank you for that. The, honestly, this week there must have been uh, there was too many to go through. So thank you for those who wrote in. Maybe another time we'll get to you. Uh, Tom Hartney. Lads, some advice. Two years ago, in of the former Sydney grade cricketer, lower grader, into our club for a pre-season net. He kept to himself and had an air of confidence while he waited calmly for his bat. After he whacked a few potential fourth graders to all parts and spoke to no one, he stood behind the net in a power stance and stared into the distance in the direction of the batsman facing slow, medium half volleys in the fluorescent light of the Ousher Suburban Indoor Cricket Centre. I ambled over and, and introduced myself as a second grade captain. His eyes never left the back of the net as he smirked, tapped me on the shoulder and wished my boys luck for the season ahead of ahead out of the corner of his mouth mm-hmm. ever since then he's been everything we've come to expect from a first grade cricketer an attack dog in the field social capital in spades dismissive of anyone playing in a grade below him and socially awkward with anyone outside of our club the epitome of a lower level grade cricketer seeking relevance all of this has made his single figure average since arriving at the club completely irrelevant despite the fact he outranks me in cricketing ability and the grade we play in i have covered him in terms of I have him covered in terms of rig, salad, and penis girth. So as you know, in the cricketing world, this ranks as us equals and we've become cricket friends. However, I'm worried. His girlfriend is moving back from overseas at the end of our severely mediocre current season. She's attractive, well-traveled, and from all accounts, a wonderful person. With this impending arrival, I'm worried we'll lose our great mate to the world of Saturday brunches, the beach, and weekends away in the summer. As someone who plays cricket every Saturday, because it's all I've ever known, I'm emotionally crippled and frightened of change. I know I'll continue to turn up next year, despite the number of people I call friends at the club finding better things to do with us Saturday and are quickly dwindling. How do I convince our mate that turning up in season 2019-2020 to hopefully finish 12th and possibly average double figures is a good idea? Or do, I, or do I go along the relationship sabotage path to help him see that cricket is the only option? Or 
Do I sort my own life out as it clearly seems I'd be happier to see a good mate stay depressed each Saturday just so I have another, ma- another mate to circuit with each weekend? Well, oh my God. I think that's- <laughs> <laughs> that was like every theme we've ever kind of tried to explore. I think it's a great question. It, yeah, it is. I a, think it's a great it's question. It's a wonderful question. Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming. I'm glad we've waited till you know, the final episode, the final question, mm. yeah. and we're fucking tired as shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to answer this very important question. It takes a few twists as well, yeah. like because I thought it was all being set up to like hate on this guy because hearing about a lower-grade Sydney-grade cricketer yeah. – Kind of triggers, um, yeah. Go into like a obviously what is some city suburban sub district competition mm. and be the top dog. Like immediately makes me bristle because he's shit at cricket. I saw you bristle, yeah. Uh, but then they've ended up becoming friends because there's some kind of balancing act. Well, because the, the while the other guy's better at cricket, this guy who writes in has a bigger dick uh, <laughs> and rig. So they kind of balance yeah. out. Same storyline as Milo and Otis, yeah. <laughs> Now he's worried about um, his friend's girlfriend coming home from overseas. I mean, that's a that's fun. That's kind of that's the bit that doesn't make sense in and of itself. This guy is like wants to be the alpha dog of like shires or sub district cricket, but yeah. he's maintained a girlfriend from yeah. overseas. So that screams insecurity to me at some point. You know what I mean? That he's mm. kept that relationship. Mm. Well, I mean, I've said this before many mm. times on the podcast, but Medicare does provide six free consultations mm. with a um, counselor. Mm. So that that is available. That's government subsidy, mm. and you can go and visit them at any time. You can book them. Um, they're probably available in your suburb. So his fundamental point, yeah, is well, you, you want oh, to- no, no, he's he's. I'm just looking at this again now. Mm. He's actually walking into a trap uh, from his mate. What his mate has done very skillfully, and mm. this is very grade cricket. He's mm. actually teed up his second grade captain perfectly, like classically to. Mm. Um, to say to him, no, we need you next year. Mm. That's what he's done. That, I think his mate wants to play otherwise, but he's just started to say to Tom, oh, my girlfriend's coming home, mm. could be brunches, he does have a girlfriend. whatever. There's no girlfriend. No girlfriend. He, all he wants is what every cricketer wants. It's more than even succeeding it's on the great field. Point. It's yeah. being asked yeah. by your teammates mm. to stay, yeah. Yeah. to stay around. He wants to be he's been trapped. He wants to be needed. Yeah. Tom's mate wants to be needed. Yeah. We know we need you next year. We've yeah. got to finish 12th. How are we going to finish 12th without you next year? Yeah. So this is the um, bit. And, and my Tom's girlfriend's moving back from overseas. You're being catfished, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> you met her on the internet. She's probably another cricketer. Yeah. Mm. Yep. There's a great catfishing story we got a couple of weeks ago yeah. as well, didn't we? That we can't, we can't mention read that. out. It's really um, good. Yeah. So I think you've got to call your mate's bluff on it. We're talking about kind of um, cricket comparisons. You said you guys are equal. You've got to actually call this guy out on this and say, um, just, just see where it goes. Just say like, oh, mate, enjoy your girlfriend. Yeah, it's enjoy your girlfriend. It's fun. Ask for Instagram. Yeah, ask for Instagram just mm. for ver- verification, mm. and then he'll be like, There's oh no, no she, she doesn't have Instagram. Everyone's got Instagram. Yeah, everyone's got it. Mm. If you, if someone's saying that she doesn't have it, no, it's fake. There's no girlfriend. But yeah, yeah I, I sorry. Back to your point, where you, like the younger young with there. Yeah, say just like, mate, I think you need to take a break from cricket. You should do it. Yeah, see what happens with him. Mm. All right. Well, uh, we've done it. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Bob Quiney to Dan Brady for coming into the studio and for Cameron White uh, 
answering a phone um, despite winning the BBL yesterday. Uh, and a sincere thank you to you guys out there who listen to this every single week. Uh, it means the world to us that we get to uh, broadcast this to you. Thank you so much to our producer, Toby Shane, who in the midst of this summer had a baby, um, yet still continues to edit this podcast, which takes about four hours of recording time for roughly 90 minutes each week. Pez. Finally, to those who did appear on the show this year, the journos, Gideon Haig, Ben Horn, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, Ben Jones, Pete Lawler, Dan Bredig, Brittany Carter, Richard Hines, thank you so much. And then the guests, uh, let's just read through them. This is a veritable um, A-list. Eh, getting down to see at various times, we won't say who, but uh, Ed Cowan, Jason Gillespie, Steve Waugh, Tim Payne, Adam Gilchrist, Kevin Roberts, Usman Kawaja, that's when the culture review was happening. Um, so yeah, it was very helpful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Brad Hodge, Lisa Healy, Jared Waitley, Will Somerville, Matt Renshaw, Jim Maxwell, Mel McLaughlin, Moses Enrique, Steve O'Keefe, Jason Sanger, Adam Zampa, Lloyd Pope, Glenn Maxwell, Bob Quiney, and Cam White. Thank you for making this show um, as colourful um, as it is. There's some names there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, some aliases right at the top there again during the culture review. Um, <laughs> and then they, 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 they stop putting guys forward. Yeah, it's weird. That, it's after, weird, that. Yeah, yeah after Longstaff released his findings. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and to the listeners, of course, as you mentioned mm. before, he goes for making this what this is, and we'll be back. Um, we certainly will be back because obviously it's a huge year. So, I mean, just uh, if anyone's still listening to this, um, maybe not, but like just for those six people who are, um, three of them in this room right now, uh, the summer that we've had uh, touring around the country, going to every test match, doing live shows, fucking incredible. Thank you so much to everyone who came out to that, bought tickets, came along, met us backstage, all that kind of stuff. It's good to shake some hands with some of the people that have been listening to us and yep. over the years as well. Like and some who putting are- a face to some of those RSTGCs <laughs> and so forth. It was, yeah. it was yeah. challenging. Um, we should also take the time to thank Channel 7 for giving us a mm, shot this this summer. Um, our, our summer has been basically watching every single cricket match around the world, mm. talking to you guys three times yeah. a week in different formats. Uh, we've had the most fun we've ever had. Uh, we're also extremely tired from taking 99 yeah. flights since November. Oh, absolutely, mate. <laughs> I'd like to thank my partner, Julia, for yeah. allowing me to come down to Melbourne every week, yeah. even though we have a one-year-old, yeah. and mm. she's um, mm. doing an absolutely amazing job with him. I mm. um, haven't seen him in six months, mm. and I hope he's doing well. Mm. I'd like to thank the guy that put in the TGC bingo um, oh, yeah. uh, right post to us. Yeah, that was the one that actually hurt our feelings mm. and was quite incisive. Well done. <laughs> we should also thank, uh, thank our overlords at the Batuta Advocate uh, for lending us their studios and, uh, you know, helping us with some shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'll thank you guys as well and to your partners for letting, you know, being a part of uh, all of this. And uh, I'll, I'll thank um, Tinder for um, everything that they've done for me. Uh, we'll see you guys round about uh, when the World Cup starts. When the Asher starts, I can't wait.